I'm Zach, and this is the Bigger Life Podcast. The last few weeks have been about Carrie and I, but this week I'm taking a step back, and Carrie and Molly are going to take over the microphone. Molly was Carrie's sponsor when she was getting sober, and we couldn't be more thankful for her help. She has four years sober now herself, and her story is extremely inspirational. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. So, hi guys. Uh, My name is Molly, and... I'm here with my really awesome friend, Carrie. Today, we're just gonna go ahead and introduce ourselves and tell you guys what brought us here and why we decided to start this. So Carrie, why don't you start and tell us what it was like for you when you started drinking and what happened? Okay, so, hey everybody, my name's Carrie and I'll just tell you a little bit of my story. Basically, I grew up being a pretty normal, good kid, good student in the Midwest. Didn't really drink or party or anything until I was 18 when I went to college. And I was also pretty shy and introverted most of my life. And I never liked that about myself. I always wanted to be more outgoing and just more popular, I guess. So when I discovered alcohol when I was 18 at college, I kind of felt like I had suddenly found the solution to make myself less socially inhibited, more outgoing. It just made me more comfortable in my own skin, I guess, and it made me feel less awkward in social situations. But um, that being said, my drinking Throughout college, I think was pretty normal for like your typical American college student. Like I would party on the weekends and I would still get really good grades and do all my homework and have an internship and do all these extra activities and travel in the summer and stuff like that. Um, But I definitely did enjoy partying on the weekend and I would black out sometimes just from drinking too much and I just thought that everyone did. I just thought that that was normal. And if people said that they never blacked out, I kind of thought they were lying. (laughs) (laughs) Same. Yeah. I totally can relate to that. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't have any major consequences. I had a boyfriend. I had good friends. And I just really liked to party and drink on the weekends. And that kind of continued over the years. Throughout my 20s, after college, I was in the Peace Corps, and I had a pretty good, challenging experience in the Peace Corps with also a lot of drinking. Most of the Peace Corps volunteers I was friends with would also drink a lot. It was kind of like our release from all the challenges of our interesting (laughs) lives in these rural villages in Tanzania, so when we would get together and party, we would go crazy and black out and we would all like make homemade fruit wines in, in buckets in our houses which was <laughs> you made interesting. it work <laughs> yeah we made it work basically we definitely made it work after that after I got back from the Peace Corps I was with my now husband and we met in a bar as drinking buddies and we both like to drink and like to party we both worked in the restaurant industry So we moved to San Diego and we traveled a lot and drinking was just what we liked doing and we always would, you know, visit breweries and be really into the craft beer scene and we got into wine and wine tasting and wherever we traveled we would always, you know, make sure to like sample all the local alcohol and it was a big part of our lives and a lot of our friends were also in the same crowd so we would go out after work and have a few drinks or or get wasted you know depending on the night and (laughs) it was just normal to us and it wasn't until really my late 20s that I started to have more and more negative consequences and feel more and more out of control with my drinking so I got a DUI and that was a big thing and it should have been a wake-up call more than it actually was I think but I again justified it like oh I know so many people with DUIs it's like normal Mm -hmm. it just shit happens you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was kind of 
my mindset around it and I kept drinking and eventually I think around like age 28 was when I started to get more and more anxiety and depression and really some severe like mental health consequences that related to my drinking. I would just get horrible hangovers, just feel like really guilty and shameful and bad about myself for always drinking too much and always having these bad hangovers. And I would just start to drink in the morning to get rid of my hangovers and start to hide my drinking more. I would like pour vodka shots into my yerba mate or into my Red Bull in the morning when I went to work. <laughs> and then that would lead to me like feeling better and feeling like I could drink more again the next night. And I also got more into the festival culture and that sort of scene in, with like going to Burning Man and Utopia and these other sorts of festivals and parties with different friends. And I got more into doing other drugs like psychedelics and cocaine occasionally. And basically that was fun sometimes, but I could never like come down off of any drug without drinking tons of like beer to make myself feel better because I hated mm -hmm. that like nervous come down mm -hmm. feeling of wanting to go to bed and not being able to go to bed so I would just drink more because alcohol was basically my solution for every problem in life <laughs> and <laughs> literally yeah my biggest my biggest problem and my biggest solution was alcohol yeah. so I like that yeah let's see so basically I was very out of control with my drinking, sometimes in the mornings, sometimes secretly, just blacking out all the time, just feeling like I couldn't, you know, be a human without having my blood alcohol content at a certain level. I just started feeling like I needed it all the time. And I knew that I was an alcoholic and I knew that I had a problem, but I thought that I could maybe just continue being like a functional alcoholic for a while that was like my dream and that maybe someday I would figure out how to control my drinking mm -hmm. better I took a break after my 29th birthday because I had a really messy 29th birthday camp out weekend in Mexico and I just felt horrible I felt super anxious on the drive home just like I had been a mess like this entire camp out and kind of embarrassed myself around my friends. So I took a break after that and I found this book called The 30 Day Sobriety Solution. And I was attracted to this book because it told you that you didn't necessarily have to quit drinking forever. It was like, just take a break and figure out some more self-knowledge about why you drink and what's driving this problem and maybe you can find a solution. So I did this whole workbook and I actually was sober for like 40 days while doing it and it did give me a lot more self-knowledge. I did most of the exercises and meditations and all this stuff but then the last chapter of the book was like okay so here's the real truth. Most people who would feel the need to do this book shouldn't probably ever drink again. You definitely mm. shouldn't ever drink again if you feel like drinking to get drunk. You shouldn't drink at your house. You shouldn't drink alone. All these things. And I just like completely ignored all of that advice <laughs> because I was like, I took a break. I'm good. Yeah. And from when I went back out after completing that book to actually what ended up being my last drink, it only took me about six more weeks. So... I went from sober to really crazy again in about six weeks. And it's crazy how fast it can catch up to you. Yes, totally. I just like picked up right back mm -hmm. where I left off. So what ended up happening was I had been drinking again pretty heavily and doing other drugs. It was summertime in San Diego on the beach. I was just trying to like have fun. And... I was also working like three jobs at the time, so I was feeling overworked and overwhelmed, and I had this videography gig for my own business doing freelance photography and videography, 
and I was supposed to shoot these PSAs for this nonprofit organization in San Diego where I had been a volunteer before, and it was kind of like my dream job. This was like what I was wanting to do in life ever since college, but because I was feeling overwhelmed and overworked and having other struggles with everything else in life, I just ended up feeling really like resentful about it. There was some bad communication going on. I was just super stressed out by all of it. And the night that I was going to do this video shoot for them, I just ended up like drinking all day secretly at work, feeling really emotional and out of it and overwhelmed. And I went to this shoot and I drove, which I shouldn't have done for sure. And I was late and I was drunk when I got there and I was like blacked out by like the beginning of this video shoot and I was just super useless. And, and you were on the clock at this, like you were out going to work. Yeah, gotcha. this was like a work thing. Right. And I was completely blacked out and I don't even remember really leaving or what happened. All I know is that the next thing I knew, I was like waking up the next morning in bed. My husband was super mad at me. He had like picked me up, rescued me from like this bad part of town where I had called him from after leaving this video shoot and I had lost all of my video and photography gear that I had with me. It was just gone. Like he didn't know where I had left it. I didn't know where I had left it because I was in a blackout. And I woke up the next day and realized everything that had happened and what I could remember and what I couldn't remember. And I was just completely horrified and devastated that mm -hmm. I had lost all of this stuff, made a fool of myself, ruined this really good opportunity. And I was just like hit suddenly with all the weight of what my life had become and what I was doing. And I was like, intensely shocked and horrified <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I remember that I remember you telling me about that <laughs> yeah and not soon after it kind of had happened right it still like gets all the emotions stirred up in me mm -hmm. when I think about that night mm -hmm. and because yeah. I feel like it wasn't just like the yeah the materialistic stuff was the huge bummer but I think you woke up that morning with so much inside yeah too and so much pain inside that just all kind of just like like moved forward and right. hit you all at once and you were like what the fuck <laughs> i feel like it was like losing all that stuff was like also symbolic of losing my identity 100 percent. like this identity this self that I had tried to like build up and project of being a successful entrepreneur and a successful mm -hmm. woman working multiple jobs and having it all together and losing all that stuff and making a fool of myself was just like literally all of that identity just finally crumbled and mm -hmm. I realized that I had failed at pretending I had failed at keeping it all together and yeah I lost a lot of money I lost a lot of stuff and I lost like all my self-esteem whatever little bit I had left it was mm -hmm. just gone after that night did you end up calling the company or you yep. know reaching out to your boss and so after that I just kind of realized that the jig was up and I ended up calling in sick to my job that I was supposed to go to that day and I ended up having to tell several people in the next few days the truth about what had actually happened because I knew that I had a problem and I had to stop drinking and there was no lie that I could come up with that could even cover up what had happened mm -hmm. that day. So I had to be honest with the company, I had to be honest with my other job, and I of course told my husband that I needed to get sober and I wanted to go to rehab and I wanted him to help me find a way to do that and he mm -hmm. was like no you don't need to go to rehab you just need to stop <laughs> <laughs> and then I also told my mom the truth about having a drinking problem which I had been hiding from my family for the whole time basically mm -hmm. and I went through crazy detox withdrawal symptoms 
just like laid in bed feeling like I was losing it for a good few days. Mm-hmm. And once I got myself together enough, I went to an AA meeting a few days later and I've been sober ever since. That is so crazy. <laughs> I think it's that's something that is rare is to get sober and to stay sober. And, you know, I, I don't think it's... Um, there's no judgment towards those who relapse whatsoever, but to go in for your first time getting sober and to have stayed sober for almost two years now, I think is just something that doesn't really happen a lot. I think having more solutions and more people talking about this and sharing our stories can really help those who are Um, getting sober for their first time or maybe it's their 10th time but this is the time that they want to do it Mm -hmm. so um, looking back when you were first getting sober what helped you continuously to keep going and not give up and kind of keep your eye on the prize that's a good question I think one of the things to kind of like go back a little bit I don't know if anyone else can relate to this but I felt like For the last year, at least, of my drinking, some part of me, maybe subconsciously or maybe a tiny little piece of my brain, knew that I was going to have to quit soon. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I had a really good friend who I used to drink with who got sober about a year before I did, and she and I had very similar behaviors. Mm -hmm. So when she went into AA and got sober, it was kind of like a little bit of a wake-up call for me. And then I remember being on my 29th birthday party in Mexico and being super messed up, but I think some part of my brain knew that this was the last drunk birthday. I just had this Mm -hmm. intuition or this feeling Mm -hmm. of knowing that I was going to have to change soon, Mm -hmm. even if I wasn't admitting it to myself. So I think maybe that intuition and admitting it and recognizing that I had known for a while that this was really fucked up... (laughs) was a part of what helped me stay once I finally started trying. That's so awesome. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I think that for me too, it was all kind of getting worse and worse and worse. And I knew eventually it was going to have to come to an end in Mm -hmm. either a way that I liked or I didn't like. And whatever it was going to be, something was going to have to happen to where this had to stop. Like it wasn't working anymore. Right. And I think that can really keep people going for a while is having that intuition and then knowing that okay this was my time to stop I'm I'm going to I'm just going to keep you know hitting the ground running yeah I mean when I first started going to AA meetings and trying to be sober and working the steps I think I was just very resigned Like, I didn't think that my life was going to be exciting anymore. Mm -hmm. I had so much guilt and shame. I didn't have any real hope of having, like, a fun dream life like I had previously wanted to have. And I thought that my life would just kind of suck and be boring because I had to be sober. And I was just open to that because the last year or so of my drinking had also sucked (laughs) so I was like well it's drunk boring life or sober boring life yeah you know actually when I was drunk it wasn't boring but it wasn't exciting in a good way right and it wasn't making you feel better anymore really either yeah Yeah. it's such a false idea that we have when we come in is getting sober and just thinking I'm never gonna have fun again exactly I'm going to be this hermit that's never going to leave the house and I can't live my life and how am I gonna go grocery shopping and all these things and I think that's what a lot of us go through yeah totally but it's almost like it starts to change so slowly that you don't even notice yourself changing Mm -hmm. at least that's how it was for me It was just, like, small realizations that I started to have as the months went by, and I got through the physical detox, Mm -hmm. which takes, like, 90 days, I think. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, more and more time started to build up, and I started to realize that I could have fun again, and I started to have better relationships with some new friends who were also sober, 
and like you helped me so much just like working mm. through the steps with you as a sponsor was life-changing for me mm-hmm. I, I learned so much and I learned like new coping mechanisms and a whole mm-hmm. new way of living and mm-hmm. now I can't imagine my life any other way mm-hmm. I know the steps are so powerful yeah crazy um so when you were um when you were reading that book like 30 days of of no drinking um did you and you were you were able to stay sober for for 40 days Mm -hmm. you said um did you know that this was just a phase and that you were eventually going to go back to drinking or did you know something happen where one day you were just kind of like fuck it I'm gonna I'm gonna drink again um and yeah I think I always knew that I was gonna drink again when I was reading that book because what attracted me to the book was the idea that maybe you could drink again maybe you could learn moderation Mm -hmm. and I knew that I just needed a break because I knew that I was out of control and I hated the way I felt but Mm -hmm. I thought okay I can just take a break I can be clean for a month and it'll like reset my system and I'll teach myself how to moderate totally that's what I thought totally it's like basically a book to give you tools how to manage your alcoholism right (laughs) yeah exactly yeah and not in a healthy way right and maybe that's possible for some people like I don't judge that but I realized that it's not possible for me because it only took me six weeks from finishing Mm -hmm. that book to having my blackout Friday as I now call it (laughs) absolutely yeah I mean I I also got sober on my first time um, trying to do this deal and, um, you know, that I don't, I don't know why, why, why it happens and why it doesn't, but I definitely tried multiple times on my own without seeking help from anyone else. And I remember just Googling how to stay sober for 30 days and, um, you know, meditations that will help relieve yourself from alcoholism and just all this weird crap that's online. Mm -hmm. And, instead of actually maybe just quitting. I was always trying to come up with ways where I could manage it. Yeah, me too. I was always thinking like, oh, if I sign up for a marathon or oh, Mm -hmm. if I do this 30-day yoga challenge or something, then I'll be forced to like moderate my drinking. Totally. And it would never really work. Yeah. I even did like the the whole like juice cleanse thing. Me too. You know? I only made it four days. Yeah. Same. It was like two (laughs) days and I was like back to drinking. I felt really great, but definitely the hardest part of it was not drinking alcohol. Right. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So should we go into your story now? Sure. You think? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so I... Um, grew up here in San Diego. Um, I grew up in North County in a beautiful city called Carlsbad, California. And I grew up in a really nice home and in a nice city. But aside from my mom being the angel that she is, I grew up in a pretty dysfunctional family. My mom was always my biggest supporter and always held down the fort, but I grew up with a raging alcoholic dad who um, was um, just a really funny, quirky, and amazing man by nature, but when he would drink, it would change into just a really cruel behavior and irrational thoughts, and all of a sudden he would just flip his switch. So I grew up at a really young age. I remember being as young as six and just feeling the need to kind of walk on eggshells. And I remember walking home from school and not really knowing what version my dad was in. And so at a really young age, I I developed a lot of fear. Fear of the unknown, of inconsistency, of my dad and all my relationships and I started getting really bad anxiety um, really young and I always thought that that's how everyone felt. I remember having a tightness in my chest all the time and always worrying and I just felt, you know, being as young as 10 to 12 in this age range that that was normal and, you know, we were just young kids and we worried and I just, I thought that's just how everyone was. So I didn't really 
talk about it because I just thought it was normal. And um, as when I turned 12 was when my dad's drinking started to get really bad. And it had always been bad, but I think I was just really old enough to pick up on more of his behaviors. And at this point, he was always the cruel and irrational man rather than going back and forth to his um, his true self and his alcoholic self. And at this point, he was always his alcoholic self. So my household was just... Um, full of turmoil for my brother and I and on my parents' marriage. And my mom was always trying to, you know, save our family. And my brother and I were just kind of trying to be good kids. And when I was 14, I started to develop some pretty rebellious behaviors. Um, I think I... I remember vividly having so much anxiety but knowing how bad drugs and alcohol were and growing up in a household with an alcoholic father, I swore I was never going to drink. I was like, this stuff is awful, whatever it is, it changes people, it makes people just awful human beings and I did. I grew up at a really young age already not liking alcohol and not liking what all it entailed and so at 14 I was just really angry at this point of my life because my dad wasn't stopping to drink. My mom was filled with codependency and trying to save our family. And I was mad that my dad was treating my mom poorly and treating us poorly. And it was, it was just a big mess. And my anxiety started to get worse and worse. And I would tell my friends what was going on at home. I never had a problem with confiding in them about my family and what was going on with them but it was really hard for me to talk about myself personally. And I think that all eventually caught up with me because I always just tried to be the strong one and I would I just thought it was normal and I'd push it aside and I would try to get the good grades and I would try to like be good in my sports that I played, but I never really spoke about how I was doing. And then around 15, um, I remember having my first panic attack and I I just I started to just I knew something wasn't right and so I, I went to my mom and I started to go to counseling and at this point I was smoking weed and drinking and hadn't gotten to into my into an addiction yet but I I just was starting to build up some rebellious behaviors and kind of get the case of the fuckets but I knew something wasn't right, so I went to my mom and I she put me in counseling and I met this amazing woman who is actually still in my life today who, t who counseled me for all of my teens. And she was an amazing woman and she I knew she was sober, I knew she didn't drink, and I didn't really think anything of it. I, you know, at this point was young and was just kind of doing what high school kids did. You just, you party, that's just kind of what you what you did. But how did you, if you don't mind me no. interrupting, how did you go from having that I will never drink attitude to starting to drink? Was it just like peer pressure? I don't, you know, I remember being actually somewhat of a late bloomer when it came to that stuff. I knew my friends smoked weed and I had tried alcohol and at this point, but I had actually never smoked weed and I knew my friends did and I was just like, no, no, like no drugs. And I think eventually when my dad when I realized that my dad wasn't going to stop drinking I knew he he wasn't going to stop I was giving him so much power that I kind of just got this resentful and rebellious kick inside of me I don't really know how else to describe it it was just I was like you know what fuck it I'm kind of gonna see what all of this alcohol stuff is about and I remember being at a party I was 14 and their parents were gone and the liquor cabinet was open and everyone was like taking shots and I decided to take it and I remember most of my friends being like okay my um your mom's gonna come home like let's stop let's stop and I wasn't even really drunk yet I just liked what we were doing and I just liked that I knew it was going to make me feel better and so I was like what do you mean she's not coming home for an hour and I like vividly remember saying that so I think, I don't know, I think just I kind of 
was angry and I turned and I just started to think what um, I started to think you know like what if I if I were to try it so um, at 15 I was like I said had developed some pretty rebellious behaviors and at this point I was partying um, I was partying a lot and my anxiety had only gotten worse but again I just thought it was normal and I continued to drink and I started getting into harder drugs and my parents soon after that got a divorce and I remember feeling this like sense of relief that okay maybe I don't have to behave this way my anxiety will go away they're gonna get a divorce and like maybe that'll wake my dad up and most of my childhood revolved around my dad and what he was doing and I was just this angry little girl and so I graduated high school and at this point I was you know, I, I had just finished my senior year and I was doing a lot of drugs, a lot of cocaine at a really young age and I was drinking a lot and I just thought it was normal high school stuff and I remember just never being able to finish my homework and I was always out and about and I could tell my mom was getting worried about me but I just, I kept assuring her my homework was getting done and um, I barely passed high school. I don't know how I, how I was able to walk and get my high school diploma, but I did. And then when I graduated high school, I just, I wanted to get out of San Diego because I just thought that moving away would really help me. So I packed up my stuff and I moved with a friend and we moved to San Luis Obispo, which is a little city in, um, the, on the central coast of California. And it was really fun and super awesome. And we both met some amazing people, but um, as time went on, I started to just get worse and worse, and I eventually just gave up school altogether and was doing some really um, hard drugs at this point. Um, I had been introduced to meth and heroin and just my life, but I was still trying to go to school, and I was really newly entered into, I was just really new and had entered into this whole new world of drugs and um, I remember knowing it was bad and thinking it was bad and telling myself I should stop but if as long as I was going to school and I was having friends that it, I, I thought I could manage it and um, so that that went on for a few years and it ended up getting so bad that um, at 20 years old I ended up homeless my mom was just worried sick and was sick of my behavior and hadn't really understood like what had happened and how this had happened so fast and I was homeless and I was with a lot of just doing a lot of bad things with a lot of bad people and um, I I remember my mom, you know, blocking my number and she said, you know, if you can find a way to get a hold of me, I will always support your wellness, but I will never support your sickness and I'm not going to go through this with another family member. And so I remember I, you know, used that as even more rebellion and I was like, well, fine then. And I took off running even more and life got really, really bad. So I eventually woke up one morning and it was I think it, it was like 5 30 in the morning and the sun was just kind of coming up and I woke up because the sunlight was hitting me right in the face and I was in this dark uh, trailer home with um, everyone was sleeping and I had woken up first and I don't know what it was this voice just told me to call my mom and that if I didn't call her um, something bad was really going to happen and so I, they had a landline and so I called her off of um, this landline and I told her not to call the number back and that I, I really wanted to get help and I told her where I was and how I was, I was ready, I was done with this lifestyle and that I, I needed help. And so my mom drove all the way up to Ventura County to come pick me up. Um, it's like a four and a half hour drive and she left right away that morning and canceled all of her work meetings and Called out of work and drove all the way up to come get me and I just remember my mom Seeing my face and seeing how I looked and how bad it had gotten and she brought me home and I She found a place for me. It was um, a treatment center in Arizona and so I went there for 35 days 
and then I went to another treatment center after that and I remember not wanting to go but I decided to go anyway and I just did what I was told and as time went on I realized I had like three months sober and then I had six months sober and I was just so invested in this new way of life that I kind of just forgot what it was like um, previously and I started just to kind of do what people had told me to do and just kind of I don't know I just really hit the ground running because I I didn't I knew I didn't want to die and I knew that I was well on my way and so now I have a little over three and a half years of sobriety and I haven't gone back since and I'm just super grateful to be here wow that's such a crazy and powerful story I know it's I I tell it and it's almost like I'm talking about someone else right you know like I'm talking yeah. about this troubled girl and yeah. it's it's a, and then I you know I go into this deeper place where I'm like whoa like I, I remember I'll be explaining the story and I'll remember how I was feeling and then I I always remind myself like that was me right yeah, I mean, I didn't even know all of those things, like yeah. that, how long your parents were married, or mm-hmm. like feeling like a late bloomer. Mm-hmm. That's funny that you felt like a late bloomer, because mm-hmm. I feel like then I was really a late bloomer, because <laughs> I didn't even party in high school, and like none of my friends did either. Yeah. I was such like a good church girl. That's like, I I wish, I don't know, I don't have any regrets, but I think, I think about it, and I, I tried to, to be a good church girl. I would go to, like, youth groups, and I would go to church camp, but I always just, I think I always just turned to drugs for relief, and yeah. I think my anxiety just got so bad, and I was so young, and I didn't know. You're just, it, you're just so young. You don't know how to express it or voice it or tell your mom how you feel. You know, you feel icky, but you don't really know what it is, and yeah. you're just so young, and your brain is rapidly changing, and everyone was drinking and doing drugs and I finally was just like well let's just give this a, a, a whirl and yes, I went for just, it they start young in Carlsbad they sure do Ohio <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah but yeah now I'm now I'm here that's amazing yeah so what do you think it was about that day that you called your mom that made you finally do it it I and as cheesy as this might sound, but I, I totally think it was, I totally think it was God and the universe aligned perfectly to get me to leave and get out of there. But I, I woke up with this like feeling, I, it's, I, I, it's part of my spiritual experience that I have, but I, I was barely 20 years old and I, I woke up, it was really early and um, I remember just thinking something bad is really going to happen if I don't leave now. And it was almost like this impending doom, like my heart dropped. And I, I think for once, um, I was actually really scared for who I was and like what I had become because I was never really afraid of it. I just kept going and going and going and felt invincible and, um, didn't really think about all of the stuff that I was doing and I just didn't think about who I was hurting I was just going and going and then I finally woke up this morning and I was absolutely terrified for where my life had had gotten me and I think a, a lot of it was fear and um, no one was around and I, 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 I don't know I really don't know I just called my mom and I haven't really looked back since it's amazing it's it's like similar in a lot of ways because I remember that feeling also from the morning after my last crazy blackout it was like this feeling of doom like I could see my life going to complete and utter shit or I could (laughs) see myself dying or getting in an accident or just like never having a good life ever if I kept going the way that I was going and then I also called my mom like not not really to like rescue me but I just knew that if I told my mom the truth that there was kind of like no going back from that right yeah because I had been lying to my parents about various things since I was like 16 you know since high school so like finally starting to tell the truth about this dark part of me that I knew that they would be really scared of was a big step (laughs) yeah yeah definitely 
I, I've, I've always been close with my mom and I've always confided in her along the way and she knew the whole time what was going on but I think I was also just at that point managing it and you're in high school and most high school kids are rebellious but um, I just think it's dangerous because if you have anxiety it's just a very dangerous mix. I didn't know how good it was going to make me feel. And I think that most of my friends, I know most of my friends were doing it for the fun of it and for the the experience. And I quickly learned that I was doing it because it made me feel better. And um, that was a really scary realization that I had when I looked back was, I think I eventually turned to alcohol. Kind of go back to your first question because I could tell like my dad would be drinking and there's just this idea of alcohol that it's going to make you feel better and so I was just like oh whatever and I was I remember being shocked of how good it felt to to start drinking at 14 I was like this feels amazing and I love this yeah I felt the same way like the first time I got a buzz from drinking I just remember feeling like oh yes like this is why people like this 100% I like it too and I was confident and I didn't have racy thoughts and yeah. I was like this is my this is my solution this is my jam yep I loved it <laughs> I thought that yep do you think it was like similar reasons why you eventually like made the progression from drinking and smoking pot to like doing meth and heroin was it because like alcohol stopped working or was it because you just thought that like it would feel better and better like the more the harder yeah. drugs that you did kind of a little bit of everything so looking back my drug use was always in it, my, my drug use was always progressing I remember um I got at um I got Adderall from a friend and I took was taking my SAT and I couldn't even focus on my SAT in high school because I was just sitting back in my chair loving the way that Adderall made me feel. I remember just looking at my pencil and being like, wow, I love this stuff. I should probably do this test now. And I laugh about it now, but I, I remember just looking around the room and being like, is anyone else on this stuff? Because I love this stuff. And then it kind of switched. It, it, it definitely switched to cocaine soon after that. You know, cocaine came into my life around 15 and I started doing lots of cocaine and that kind of gave me an even bigger booster than Adderall did. And then when cocaine really wasn't working, it led to meth. And so it's kind of similar to, you know, heroin as well. I remember trying Xanax for the, like smoking weed and then trying Xanax and then I would do like Oxycontin and then I started smoking heroin and then I was like, oh, let's just shoot it. And it's so dark, but um, it was always in its works of of getting worse and worse but I think why I always went for more was because I I just really wanted to feel better and I wanted I was willing to do whatever it took and you know I always was an anxious child I remember being anxious as young as five just always being a worry war and always having lots of uncertainty and I think um, I, I, I just remember trying my mom was like super anti-non-narcotic um anti-anxiety medications and so I went um I started taking medication at 15 and I remember really trying to get it to work I took it as prescribed I took it on a full stomach I really tried to do it you know I gave it three weeks three to six weeks and it just made my stomach hurt and it made me foggy headed and I just didn't like it and it honestly and honestly even gave me more anxiety and so after that didn't work out, I kind of started to feel hopeless. Like, okay, I feel anxious. I'm really trying and not even this medication can help me. Like, Mm -hmm. and drugs were always kind of, you know, at arm's length. And so it was an easy grab and I just, I loved it. I, I just took off running and all my beliefs about never trying alcohol and only smoking weed on the weekends, like went out the door so fast. Um, that it was really scary. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Carrie, what was the process of getting sober like, and how is your life now after all of that? So the process of getting sober was definitely the hardest thing that I've ever gone through. 
and man, there's just so much. Like, I feel like this question has so much depth. Um, I got sober through AA and doing the 12 steps and working with you as an amazing mm. sponsor. I, I don't think that there is just like one way to get sober. I think there are different things that work for everyone. Totally. But for me, finding that community in AA and doing the 12 steps was definitely what I needed. The one of the greatest things about it was just realizing that I wasn't alone, that there were other people who were going through the same things, who had the same fucked up relationship with alcohol that I had, and also realizing that, you know, just because I still had a job and I still had a husband and my, I wasn't like homeless, Mm-hmm. When you go to when you go to meetings, you hear all sorts of stories everywhere from like the you know upper middle class housewife who just was drinking too much wine to like the person who ended up homeless or in prison. Totally. And I realized that just because I was still functional in some ways didn't mean that I didn't have the same problem that everyone else there had. Mm-hmm. And I definitely was addicted to alcohol. And even though I considered myself this, like, successful, well-adjusted adult, I really realized through working the steps that I really wasn't, (laughs) that I really had a lot of bad coping mechanisms, and I still wasn't comfortable with myself, even at age 29, Mm -hmm. and I just had so much learning to do, Mm -hmm. and I loved working the steps because it's really, like therapy you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like cognitive behavioral therapy you learn new thought patterns you learn Mm -hmm. to behave differently and you learn to recognize your own faults before just pointing out all the faults in other people even if it's just that one (laughs) percent yeah so so it was a really powerful experience for me and really challenging at the same time one of the hardest parts was readjusting my relationship with my husband because as I mentioned we met at a bar and our whole relationship started based on being drinking buddies and really enjoying that party lifestyle and of course there was more to our relationship but honestly alcohol and partying together was a huge part and with that taken away we had so much readjusting to do and it was almost like we didn't know each other anymore once mm-hmm. I was sober and that was really hard for a long time mm-hmm. but it's just been a process and through me getting sober and also learning emotional sobriety and better coping mechanisms and all these things and just focusing more on myself and my own wellness I was able to get through that even though it was definitely the hardest part of this big change for me did yeah. you ever feel Was that, like, a really scary part of your life? Like, did you ever feel like maybe sobriety wasn't going to work or the steps weren't going to work? Or did you have complete faith that you knew at the end of the day, as long as you stayed sober, things would get, would get better? I think... Within all, meaning all relationships of life. I think in the beginning, the first few months, I was really scared. And Mm -hmm. I had a lot of doubts about everything Mm -hmm. and how I was going to be sober forever and get through my life that way. Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure how it was going to work. And then eventually just honestly everything in my life started getting better except my marriage, (laughs) which is really hard to say, but it's true. Mm -hmm. But the fact that everything else in my life was getting better and better, I started to realize like, okay, this shit works. Like, it's working. I could literally feel myself becoming a better person. Like, it felt like I could feel my soul just growing and blossoming, and I was learning to treat people better and Mm -hmm. be a better friend and have boundaries with Mm -hmm. others, and I just felt... I felt more whole and more healthy than I had in years, Mm -hmm. and I knew that the stuff with my marriage was tough, but I could sense that there would be a way through it would just be a long road 100 percent. and i knew i think after a few months that sobriety was the way to go it was Mm -hmm. the way to have my life be way better Mm -hmm. definitely definitely yeah the promises came true for you 
pretty pretty quickly. They did, honestly. It was really remarkable how fast things started to turn around for me mm-hmm. once I was committed because I am kind of all or nothing, so I like to commit to things 100%. Go all so in. So once I was working the steps, I was like, yeah, I'm working the steps. Like, I'm fixing everything. I'm mm-hmm. making it better. I was really committed to that, and... I got way better at my job. I went from being, like, unreliable and, you know, the person that was, like, hungover or drunk at work to being super reliable and dependable at my job for the people that I managed, and they knew they could count on me, and that felt really good. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, you really thrived a lot at work. Yeah. That was a big promise for you that came. Yeah. My business... My photography and video business started thriving Mm -hmm. a lot, too. And financially, it was like I got enough work and I had a lot of success in all my jobs that all that money that I lost from losing my equipment kind of flowed back to me Mm -hmm. really quickly in a really magical way. Mm -hmm. And it was super awesome and totally thanks to my sobriety and my higher power that that happened. 100%. Yeah, and then, like, the best thing was that I've always loved traveling, and I've always dreamed of living overseas again, living in a different country, like I did when I was in the Peace Corps, and we kept saying, we're going to move overseas, we're going to become digital nomads, or get jobs overseas or something, but it would always get put off and put off, and once I got sober, it was like that dream reawakened in me and Mm -hmm. once things started being restored to me and I started to feel better and better I started to be able to move towards that dream again and it was really awesome so I think a lot of people thought that I was running away or thought that I was like pulling a geographic like I had some people asking me like why are you why are you leaving? Like, are you just running away from your problems? Like, you're only one year sober. Why are you doing this? But for me, it wasn't about running away. For me, I felt like I was running back to myself. Mm. Like, I was coming back to the person that I was meant to be and the dream that I had always had. I love that. Yeah. That's so true. It's really awesome because, you know, thanks to my sobriety and my newfound, like, faith in the universe and my new ways of living, I've been able to accomplish that dream of being a digital digital nomad and traveling again and staying sober in other countries, even without like the traditional meetings that I got sober in. And I've just tried to like, you know, stay close to what matters and practice good self-care and reach out to other people when I can. And I've been able to become a yoga teacher which was another dream so awesome yeah and start my own business doing yoga and adventure retreats in different countries Mm -hmm. around the world and really Mm -hmm. trying to encourage other people to travel in like a healthy sober wholesome spiritual Mm -hmm. way I feel like I found my purpose that is amazing that's so (laughs) rad did you ever think that you could travel the world sober and not drink like just travel and not drink no because I thought like the whole fun of travel was drinking to me right it's like what else did people (laughs) do people do I was like I could never imagine like going to like Europe and not wine tasting or Mm -hmm. going to different places and not like checking out the beer scene or whatever I thought it would be so boring Mm -hmm. and now I just feel like I have way more fun when I travel and because I'm not hungover yeah I get to actually do stuff I do activities and experience, like, local culture and things like that. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's definitely different. You know, my priorities shifted. I used to be more about, like, exploring cities and drinking and partying. And now I've realized that really who I am is, like, a nature girl. Mm-hmm. I want to be hiking or surfing or at the beach or just experiencing beautiful nature. Just being outside. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I, like, always wanted to be this extrovert, and I can be very extroverted, but I was always socializing and performing and going out and being with large crowds of people, and when I got sober, my my inner truth really came to me, and I started to realize that all of those things just made me feel kind of sucky, and I 
was overly exerting myself all of the time to please everyone else. And I was actually a pretty introverted person that didn't even really like to party. And I soon had to realize, like, I soon realized that it's just crazy. I always thought I was just the life of the party and the social butterfly. And, and I still am, you know, I love people. I love being around people. But when I got sober, I was like, who is this person that I am? that I am and I think it's just who we were supposed to be all along yes totally I relate to that so much because I was always trying to force myself into this role of like the outgoing party girl and it kind of took over my life and I would have FOMO if I didn't go to these parties and once I got sober I kind of realized that like I can stay at home by myself, and sometimes that's what I want to do. In fact, a lot of the time, that's what I want to do. Yeah, isn't it? I remember it just being so hard to say no to people. Right. Like, we're doing this, we're doing that, and I would just say, yes, 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 I'm there. And I'd, like, show up at their door, like, five minutes later, just ready. And now I just, I get to say no today, and it's it's so awesome because I say no a lot, and I'm happy to. Me too. And it makes me comfortable, and... I would way rather go on a hike or go to the beach or just do something that brings me fulfillment. It's all about like protecting your energy and conserving your energy for the things that really make you happy and fill you up. And Mm -hmm. I think it takes time and it's such a process to get there Mm -hmm. because when I first got sober, I was terrified of my life changing and my friends changing Mm -hmm. and, you know, losing this persona of who I was so I kind of forced myself to continue like going to parties and working in my job that was a very party oriented place and I just felt like I had to still be at all those same places with all those same people just be sober mm-hmm. which I mean I proved to myself that I could do it by doing it but over time I realized like that's not actually fun mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah and I started to focus more on doing things I actually enjoyed, like going on hikes and going on backpacking Mm -hmm. trips and doing yoga and all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And now I'm like completely comfortable with who I am and able to enforce my boundaries to the point that sometimes I think maybe I'm being like too strong (laughs) with saying no to things. That's so great. But if someone suggests something that I don't want to do, if someone wants to go party and I want to go to bed, I'm just like, "Mm, nope, sorry. I love that. <laughs> yes, it's like um, I'm gonna I'm gonna get that extra that extra two hours of sleep instead. Yeah, that's so great. I I I just think that that's so amazing. Yeah, I'm Good kind of a you. grandma, but it's like I that want, travels the world. Yeah, I want to travel and I want to teach yoga and I and I need to like live a lifestyle that's supportive of that. Mm-hmm. So to me, that means being more of a morning person and going to bed. (laughs) 100%. Getting a full day's in and sleeping off the night. Yeah. Yeah. Were you ever triggered in the beginning when you would still be kind of with your older crowd and tapped into that old life being sober and, you know, walking into a bar and not drinking? Was that ever a problem or? Um, it was definitely hard at times like anytime I would get in a fight with my husband or just feel really like upset about something I missed having alcohol as my coping mechanism and there were times when I really wanted to drink to just like numb out Mm -hmm. and not feel all the pain and stress of this like change I was going to going Mm -hmm. through I remember like crying outside of a Trader Joe's once because I had to go buy groceries and I was just looking at all the cheap wine in Trader Joe's that I used to love. It's like on sale and you're like, really God, why are you going to do me like this? Like my favorite like $2 bottles of wine that I used to like drink before work. (laughs) Just like, oh my gosh. Part of me could like laugh at the ridiculousness of the fact that I was crying about that and realized like okay this means you really do have a problem (laughs) like I don't think normal people obsess over their like favorite bottle of wine right 
That reminds me, when I was in treatment, we would go grocery shopping every couple of weeks and stock up on our um, on our food. And I remember walking into Vons and I was getting my bread and I turned the corner and there was this woman and she was wearing a nice suit and there was wine and she was wine tasting inside of Vons. And she goes, hi. She goes, would you like to try our new product today? And I was like, what world are we living in now? This has never been a thing. I'm finally sober and now they're doing wine testing at Bonds. <laughs> what is this? I mean, I get wine t- tasting at wineries and other breweries and even other, you know, social events around San Diego. But at Vons, I remember just being like, really? <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Like, and I started crying. I was like, I get sober, and now they offer free samples. Right? Yeah, I remember. Like, weird things would trigger me like that too. Like, I would have felt the same way in early sobriety. Like, I remember one time I was at a bar actually when I had like less than ninety days sober, and my friend had like an art show there, so I was trying to be supportive. But I was just sitting at the bar, watching the bartenders. And I used to be a bartender, and for some reason this feeling just came over me of like, oh my god, so much nostalgia, like, oh, it was so fun being a bartender, like, oh my god, I'm never gonna get to do that again, I miss it so much, blah 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 blah, when in, like, reality towards the end of the days when I was bartending, I hated it. <laughs> oh my god. Isn't it weird how our brain tricks us? Yeah, like it I was started this... to have a panic attack because of all I these remember feelings. that. And I had to, like, run home. And then I think I called you and you were like, maybe don't go to bars so much. <laughs> yeah. It was, like, common sense. But to me, it was like... Yeah, you were just new. And, you know, you don't really know until you know. Yeah. You're just, just living life and doing the best you can. Right. Yeah, I remember that. That's so funny. It's Our mind definitely pr- placed those tricks on us. Yeah, it's like the grass is always greener. And, you know, I just, like, got through it, you know? I just went home and like laid in my bed and you know had a little freak out but I got through it I'm so proud of you that's like the greatest gift of sobriety I think is just knowing that I can get through anything now because it was so hard to get sober 100% I think the hardest thing for me was I got sober before the even legal drinking age and I remember having this this vision that I was going to be on a yacht in the San Diego Harbor and I was going to be around all my friends from high school and I was going to be wearing heels and everyone was wearing black but I was wearing white and (laughs) I was going to be, I I guess so. (laughs) It was just this vision that I had and everyone was going to be on this boat and we're all going to be just getting super fucked up and I had landed myself in treatment (laughs) six months later and I look back and my life was never that luxurious. I never lived that lifestyle. I was just a low bottom junkie and I was living out of trailers, but I had this vision and I had this goal and it was going to happen and God had a funny way of twisting things around. And so, you know, I had landed myself in treatment so young that that made me angry. I was like, wow, I had rode, I rode till the wheels fell off so soon and I was pissed that I had gotten sober so quickly. But looking back in all reality, I was really 21 at 13. You know, I had a fake ID by 14. I was going to, a, I was going to bars with older, some of my older friends as young as 15 every weekend. That's six years um, before the, the, the legal drinking age and I was acting like I was, you know, 21. And so the fact of the matter was I was 21 long before I had even turned 21. But I was pissed that um, I had landed in treatment and that I wasn't able to manage it better and that, you know, I was so young and all my friends were out having fun in college and here I was in treatment. And so that was definitely the hardest hurdle I had to jump over was, you know, you're never too young to die and you're never too young to get sober and it was my time and I eventually accepted it, but it was really difficult and... I think a lot of people that get sober later in life or, you know, they say, oh, you're so lucky, like, you got it young, but, you know, it definitely had its hard times, too. Like, I never really had a normal childhood, and I never really had the college experience and, you know, graduating college and then moving on and um, all of that. I had to have my own, you know, journey, and it pretty much robbed most of my childhood, so 
that was the hardest but you grew up really fast it was so fast so fast and so fast I didn't even know how how fast it was like going you know and then I landed in treatment and I was like oh my gosh I don't even know where to start of what was going on the past six years (laughs) but I think my favorite part today now is I, I work at a treatment center and I help I get to help so many people and it's definitely turned into something far more than I ever thought you know I was I had a little bit of faith and I believed people and in the rooms and I believed my sponsor when she told me that um, life was going to get exponentially better and she would look me in the eye and she made these promises to me and I believed her you know I had that faith but I didn't think it was going to end up as good as it had so going back a bit like what how was the process of getting sober in treatment like once you made that decision did you know that you were gonna follow through with it and be sober like forever or oh my did gosh you have doubts? <laughs> <laughs> no in fact it was I, I pretty much dragged my feet the whole way um so I went to 30 days and uh, a 30 day treatment center and I agreed to do the 30 days and then after the 30 days I was advised to go to sober living and my counselor was telling me you need to go to sober living like you're barely scratching the surface you need to go to sober living and my mom was telling me that she wasn't going to let me back home unless I went to sober living so where was I going to go you know I had thought about going back to the lifestyle I was living it was definitely an option but after I was persuaded into making this step and just to giving just giving it a try Um, I decided to go for it and so I did a month there um, at this other treatment center that I went to and then I was like okay I'm only gonna do one more month I'll have like 90 days at this time and then I'm going to stop and then another went by another month went by and I'd say okay I'm only I'm only gonna do one more month and then I'll I, I promise I'm just gonna be done with this all next month and then I just kept taking it month by month and then eventually when I had about seven to eight months, I actually really wanted to stick around. I started to really enjoy it and things started to get fun and awesome things were happening. And I remember waking up one morning and being like, you know, it's the beginning of the month and I don't want to run, you know, I actually want to stay. But it definitely was difficult for me because I didn't think that I was going to stay sober. I had this vision that it was a phase and I was doing the deal and I was going to try to hit that one year mark but then after I got a year I wasn't going to continue on anymore and so that really kept kept me pretty reserved with a lot of people because I had this idea that we weren't going to be friends for very long and you know like I'm in your life now but don't get too close because I'm gonna go back to this old way of life but once I hit about seven months I really started to hit the ground running and realized this was the life that I really wanted so yeah I definitely didn't come all at once yeah cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and so now here we are right 